Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi here as always with Nima Tavali. And what a show we have for you today. Luciano Spalletti's seemingly unstoppable Napoli side absolutely destroyed in Naples by Milan 4-0. Rafael Leal back to his best for Milan with two goals. We'll be analysing that stunning result and then all the fallout. What effect will this result have on the Champions League quarterfinal between these two teams starting next week? Elsewhere, Inter's crisis goes on. It deepens as they lose at home to Fiorentina. Simone Inzaghi is now not only at risk of not being at Inter next season, but he's at risk of not even finishing the season as uh, Inter fall out of the top four. They face Juventus next in the Coppa Italia on Tuesday, the first leg of the semi-final. We'll be previewing that game as well as discussing Juventus's latest win. They're on fantastic form. They beat Verona 1-0. Also, Roma, Lazio, Atalanta all winning. The top four race getting really exciting now. So we'll be discussing those games and all the other matches in Serie A this past weekend. We'll have Badger and Premface of the week as always. So it's going to be a really, really big show today. This is our Monday show. And for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football from the week before. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our Patreons, plus our weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and you become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. And for those of you that are listening on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, etc., we'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating and give us a follow and subscribe to us as this really helps us to, to, to grow and to, to spread the, the gospel of Serie A. Okay, right, let's get started. Only one place to start, Milan destroying Napoli. So then, the Stadio Maradona, Napoli nil, Milan 4. A shock destruction, let's say. Nobody saw this coming. Milan were absolutely sensational. Where to start? There's so much, there's so much to <laughs> There's so much to talk here. about. I don't even let's know where to begin. Let's start from Milan. Yeah, let's yeah. start from Milan's point of view. Um, I mean, they absolutely outplayed Napoli. Off the puck. Um, for me, this is Stefano Pioli. This man not only has more lives than a cat, than a Cheshire cat, but he's also, he's, he is, he's not, he's like, he is the, he, he, he embodies the, 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 the mythological bird Phoenix. Every time he's in trouble, he, at Milan, he magically, just rises from the ashes and his his Milan is better and bigger and better than it was before the crisis. It's crazy. It's the third resurrection. We should be calling him Jesus, not Padre Pioli. We should, I mean, the man res- resurrects completely over and over and over again. I mean, the, the, the fact that he decided to throw a spanner in the works, playing a 4-2-3-1, going back to that, Napoli were completely shocked. They didn't know how to handle it. Spalletti hadn't even thought of Milan playing like that. They were nowhere to be found. Yes, Napoli were bad. We're going to get to Napoli as well. But it was this was, for me, more than anything. There are lots of heroes. I thought all Milan players were great, but there are some who stood out. But above all, the way they moved, the way, they, the, the way that the game plan worked perfectly, this was a Pioli's win. 
tactical win from start to finish by by Stefano Pioli, who just can. T- I'm, ne- I'm, 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 I'm making a vow here now. Never ever counting Pioli out at Milan again. Like I don't care. He he, he just always manages to find a way. It's crazy. But I mean, if we if we get away from that, it also shows that he has a united group behind him. When a manager can do that time and time again and turn the tide, that shows that he's got all of the players behind him. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I don't think that was ever in doubt. Actually, even during the during the tough times, there there was never any doubt that the players were 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 with him. Uh, and I think that that that's obviously helped things now that they've they've. I would say surely after winning four 0 that they're through the the because the mini crisis had returned <laughs> before this game, which yeah. is why it's such a sh- which is why it's such a shock that they've gone from what we saw before the international break when they lost to Udinese, wasn't it, in their last match, uh, to to suddenly putting on you know not just winning but just 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 everything about this performance as a team individually. I mean, this was Milan that. This was not only the Milan that won the Scudetto last season. I would actually go further and say this was the best performance in Stefano Pioli's time at Milan since he since he arrived at the club. You can't find me a better performance because you've got to look at who they're playing. They're playing a Napoli team that is running away with the Scudetto. One of the greatest Serie A Scudetto teams that we've had in modern history. And they they didn't just win. They absolutely destroyed Napoli. They battered them in every single department on the pitch. And, you know, it's, I mean, from a tactical point of view, uh, I've said, you know, from day one, I, I didn't particularly like the, the three-man back line and I, I wanted them to go back to a back four. And I also said, you know, that I think the best way to, to beat Napoli is to play with a back four. I didn't, I don't like playing a back three. I know Inter beat them with a back three, but, you know, and I, I think Pioli actually said that himself after the game that he thinks it's, it's, it's how he had to go to a back four to beat Napoli. But I just think it worked perfectly. Everyone seems so much more comfortable in their roles and their positions, how to move as individually and as a team. You know, everything was really fluent. Um, we, both of us, have been calling for months for Milan to play three centre midfielders. Now, it wasn't necessarily a 4-3-3, which is kind of what we've been calling for, but it, it kind of was in the sense that Benacer, Tonali and Krunic all played uh, and they were all helping each other out, and they seemed to kind of they seemed to kind of alternate the three of them between who was the most more advanced, who pushed forward into that kind of let's say attacking central midfield role, and who was a little bit deeper. Um, they kind of all all, all alternate because even Benacer was pushing into that into that in, into that area. Um, but I just think that having that extra man in central midfield, as we've been saying, it just it, it's what has been missing from Milan um, throughout. This, 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 well, this year for certain that they've been too open in the centre midfield, and I just think having that extra centre midfielder gave them greater solidity. It gave them greater balance uh, when they were both attacking, and when particularly when they had to defend, but when they had to press, when they had to just just hold. I mean, you know, when you only have two in that area, and then you have say Brahim Diaz or Di Ketelaer or someone else as the attacking centre midfielder ahead in a four-two-three-one. You're 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 much more open, uh, and I think that Pioli has now found his ideal system. I think he should play the, the, those three all the time. Uh, Krunic basically being, I guess, what Kessier was. I know Kessier was more advanced last season, but basically play all three of them and alternate like the, he did in this game. And this is that this is this is the this is the way forward now. Uh, I know we're going to discuss the Champions League time uh, afterwards. We've got a segment on kind of like how this affects 
that quarterfinal. But I think from Milan, they have found the perfect system and they executed it perfectly. And in front of the central midfield three, they had Rafael Leal and Brahim Diaz who were just causing havoc. And that Napoli could not live with I just um, got to pick up on Brahim Diaz. Milan have to keep this guy. Again, and a young player they brought in without much fuss that has bloomed and flourished under them to being a potential a player who works perfectly in the system. The reason why I keep saying that Ricky Massara is the best sporting director in all of Italy is because of this. Look at the sheer number of youth and young players that came to Milan that weren't famous, that weren't big, and have now bloomed and blossomed under them. It's just... He was. I thought that was the best game he's ever had in his life, Brian Diaz. I thought he was magical. There were things he were yeah. doing that was just, you know, I, I stand, I stood there with an open mouth at times. Like, who, who am I watching? I mean, even Alexis Salamakers looked like Messi for crying out loud when he did. When he did. So it was one of those nights. But Diaz for me is just and Rade Krunic again. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Brian Diaz just. Just to step in on Brahim Diaz, I mean, the skill and that build up to the first oh, goal on the touchline and Lobotka, uh, he made Lobotka look really stupid there. He embarrassed him. He pulled down his pants, yeah. we call that in Swedish. He pulled down his <laughs> pants. In Swedish, we yeah. say, when somebody does that to someone, it's like you're pulling down their pants or you dribble them up onto the to the stands, to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the hot dog guy. And say, yeah, yeah that's want... what Zlatan, use, Zlatan yeah. uses that one. That's a said, Swedish said, thing. It's like, yeah. did you want, you know, he said about Stefan Henshaw, he said, I went right, he went right. I went left, he went left. Then I went right and he went and bought a hot dog with ketchup. Like... <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what he did to Lovotko. He sent him yeah. to, the, to the hot dog stand. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's no doubt the talent is there with, with Brahim. We don't see enough of it always, but he has been key in some big games now. This, mm. Well, certainly recently. I mean, you said this is probably his best game. I thought he was outstanding against Tottenham as well yeah, in the, the away leg against, uh, out, out, I was going to say White Hart Lane, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. I thought he was brilliant in that game. But, you know, he, he scored the winner in that tie against Tottenham. He scored against somebody. He scored against Juventus, didn't he, as well, earlier in the season. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's been doing well in the big games, Brahim Diaz. So, that obviously shows that he has some personality about him. Uh, and But, I mean, Rafael Liao, of course, if we're going to single out one player in particular, um, Rafael Leal. I mean, this was Rafael Leal back. This was him. This was the second half of last season, Rafael Leal. This was the, the best player in the league, Rafael Leal. This is the, the 100 million uh, euro Rafael Leal. I mean, he was he was unstoppable. Uh, he was just in the mood. And, you know, he... Well, that's he the was, problem. He, that, that's the problem with him is in the mood. I, I still stand by that he Milan will sell him in the summer and that he won't extend because of the sporting thing. Like, because of the fact that he owes sporting. Is it 17 or 18 million euros that he has to pay? Um, mm. I think, you know, I think for Milan, they have to, they have to, they have to sell him in the summer because he's not going to extend with them. It's just not going to happen. Um, he wants that payoff to pay off that debt. It's as simple as that. And Milan can't afford to pay that debt for him because that's a tax that that'll be taxed as an income, meaning it'll cost Milan 34 million euros to pay it off. Yeah. Like twice as much to pay yeah. gross net. So it's not going to happen. Mm. But but, um, think, but looking more but looking more closer to today, we asked on our last show, how do do do, do Milan get Rafael Leal back to his best just to rescue by this playing season? like they did? <laughs> well, whatever whatever they did, uh, and obviously the formation I think comes into it. I don't I don't see Rafael Leal in a 3-5-2 personally I think he's better from the left I think like Cristiano Ronaldo earlier in his career was better coming from the left Agreed. In, you know, he's a winger he had, 
when he, when he still had the legs, you know, because you actually, in, in ways, you've actually got more freedom playing from the left because you, you're, that's your starting position, but then you can roam in, you can go inside, you can go outside. Whereas when your starting point is in the centre, then you're actually easier to mark. Uh, so I, I, I think that, yeah, this was his best role. And, and I mean, he was sensational. I mean, the finish for the first goal was, was, was beautiful. It was absolutely delightful, world-class. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the, uh, the, he was fantastic for the second goal. I mean, I thought it was terrible goalkeeping from Meret, but, but he was still, you know, the way that he, he took it and finished it uh, against Rachmani. Uh, and there was also a devastating, also I actually thought his best moment in the match was the devastating counter-attack at 2-0 when Giroud, when Giroud just put it wide. He was absolutely, I mean, it was scary watching him, watching him like in full flow. That was like watching, you know, when when Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo or or Ronaldinho or, or, or Messi or, you know, when they're in absolute full flow, Maradona and you're, and you're just scared. That was like, it was absolutely scary. Just at the, about five minutes into the second half, um, he was he was electrifying in, in this game, Rafael and, and so that that's great to see for for man because I mean he'd gone so long without scoring. What was it? Eleven games without without yeah. scoring a goal, you know? And he got yeah. two, and he was mm. he was magnificent. Now for, but he... for me, as I was talking about Rade Krunic, I keep saying that I, you know I if we're gonna play a three four three four two one, how important he is for Milan's defense. But he's just he's just so important for Milan. Period. Now. Um, Again, even Krunic is is, is 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 delivering the goods for Milan now. Salamakers okay. is delivering. The, Everybody right. was brilliant. Everyone. Was just... I mean, Salamakers. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> what was that? I, could, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was yeah. turning to Messi. What was what was that? Yeah. He could, I mean, he, it was crazy. No, no, he was he was dribbling past everyone. He was so <laughs> had so much pace and attention. Every the Milan players looked so well conditioned. They looked so fit. Mm. They 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 were so so much intensity. The pressing. Like they were so fast, they they all looked. Every player looked half a yard faster than yeah. they usually do. Um, so whatever they did to condition the to to condition the the, the team uh, before the game, I don't know if they hired Bangsbo or or someone before, to, to, oh, to, to, to coach the to coach the team. But whatever they did, I, thought, since, they, I they, thought when John left, we'd never be worried about being sued again over <laughs> the Bangsbo digs. Well, but, I, I, uh, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. But <laughs> you know, they, they were so well conditioned for this game. They were so much sharper than than, than Napoli. And yeah, all the, so many, everyone was great. I mean, we haven't even spoken about Tonali. Yeah, I mean, he was, he, was, he was everywhere. But this was, was more of a 4-3-3, wasn't it? More than a 4-2-3-1, wasn't it? it and was, that's kind of what yes, we were talking yeah. about. Yeah, I mean, it was 4-3 and then Liao and Brahim Diaz with kind of light. Yeah, 4-3-2-1. I guess you could to, say, to, yeah. It was yeah. low. Yeah, it was 4-3 and then Liao and, and Brahim with the license to roam around. Uh, and and then Giroud is the one. Basically, um, if if I look at this tactically, and I was thinking about this yesterday, I've got it in my notes. I feel like in a way, Pioli kind of mirrored what Napoli did on the Spalletti in the sense that they would shift between a four three three and a four two three one in games. Um, obviously, without Ossiman, Ossiman's movement and physique and and pace and and well, just Ossiman's general you know presence on the pitch allows uh, Napoli to be much more fluid between the formations I thought what Spalletti uh, what, what Pioli did was something similar but with the players available to him with like you said with Brahim and Leao having the the license to roam making it you mm. know making that their movement was not just they weren't wingers they weren't really number 10s they weren't invented inverted wingers they just were everywhere in that area yeah and and the no. rest of Milan was so well balanced, Krunic, Tonali, like every one of them was so well balanced and so disciplined that it just 
the and and you know Teo Hernandez as well. Now it was it was I, I, like you said. Yeah, Teo Hernandez. We haven't even talked. We haven't even talked no about him. I mean, I mean, Tonali was was everywhere. His pressing, his harrying, uh, all three central midfielders. Oh my! You God. don't see Napoli. You don't see Napoli's midfield outplayed like they like they were. Um, they're, they're all they're all wonderful. I want, I want was, them to. Was, start, was I think Milan should start. Like I've been saying, the, the next step is four three three. I I think, and I stand by that. I really think Krunic Benasser Tonali is the way forward now. Well, listen, I, they have to keep this. Listen, you're not changing this formation. This is they, they found their, they found their formation now. They found yeah. the system. Um, you don't yeah. you don't win. You know, we'll come to Napoli and how they underperformed. You don't you don't do that unless you unless you unless you're doing something right yourself. They found their, their right system. They have to keep this absolutely. now. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and, and, and mentally as well. That's the other point. Um, yeah. We'll come we'll come to we'll come to that when we talk about the Champions League game. But they were so up for it. They wanted to show. I think Sellermaker said they wanted. I mean, I saw him, I saw him, people been taking the piss out of him the way that he was holding his badge. Uh, you know, the, the Scudetto badge and everything. But they wanted to show, like Sellermaker said, that they were the that's champions. the thing. They, they, they raised had a their point game to prove. Yeah, yeah. Milan played with a point to prove. Um, mm. And and Napoli. I mean, if we're going to go to Napoli now, yeah. I mean, they, what the hell happened? What yeah, the hell happened? I, I think I think it's it was a combination of many things. I think the, they had a bad night like they had against Inter. In many ways, this, this performance reminded me of a Napoli that under, uh, that they, where they lost to Inter, where Inter dominated them. But just, you know, since Inter can't score goals, they scored once when they should have scored four. But this is, um, it reminded me of that. And that is that Napoli weren't switched on. Uh, individual, especially Anguissa looked again, he looked tired and lethargic. Uh, Kim and Jay had a shocker. Uh, Lobotka and Zielinski were nowhere to be found. Um, Ossi- you can't just say Osiman didn't. It's not just Osiman. It was all of them. Kvaratskhelia was a shadow of himself. It was. They, we have to remember this is a young and inexperienced Napoli side. I think we, some of us, myself, I'm definitely guilty of this because of how good they've been so consistently this season. We kind of forget that they aren't. They're not. They're not there yet. This is a. This is their first season. These players at this level. Playing like this, and and there's going to be drop moments where they show that lack of experience, and I think they, they this was one of those. And also Spalletti, I think Luciano Spalletti got completely destroyed tactically by Pioli. He got schooled, and he was annoyed by that. You could tell that after the game when, when, when or not after the game when, when he was when him and Ma, when he was go having a go at Leao for the way he celebrated, and Maldini came up and said, "Look, what are you talking about?" You, you're, you're going to win the league. Stop busting balls. Be happy with that. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a half time. Yeah, a half time. Yeah, it was half time. Yeah. So it was. Of, it yeah. was. Uh, you know, I think I think Spalletti was pissed that he was. He got tactically outplayed, outclassed, and the fact that he got the game plan wrong. He didn't expect Milan to play the way they did. It just didn't occur to him. He was shocked, and he couldn't stop it. Um, and and of course, Osimhen, massive. We're talking about the best striker in the Serie A. Um, so I think uh, you know it's, that that obviously played a role. So I think that yeah, yeah Nima, I I think that listen, everybody there's, like in modern football when you're playing 50, 60 games a season, you can't you know you can't win all sixty games and be be great every sixty games. You're going to lose some games. Yeah, I just think that I've not seen Napoli this bad, this open and vul- and this vulnerable this season. I mean, yes, they have lost other games. They lost to Liverpool. I mean, that was a dead rubber. So we can we can chalk that one up. But they lost to Lazio and they lost to Inter. But yes, Inter were a much better team. They outplayed them. They deserved to win when Inter beat them. But Napoli weren't open, so open. They, they didn't get 
torn apart and stretched like they did in the Inter mm. Milan game. And the Lazio game was 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 really a smash and grab. It was Lazio defending with ten men behind the ball, playing yeah. Catanaccio basically, and then they scored with a wonder goal. <laughs> Sarri, from miles out. we live in upside yeah. down world when Sarri goes to <laughs> Naples and wins playing Catanaccio. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those games, like there was nothing to get alarmed about. I think in those no. games, you know, the Inter game came after the World Cup after a long period out. Uh, and Quaretzela wasn't wasn't that fit as well, and was was way off his match fitness in that game as well. So you know those those results can happen, but I think it's the nature of this defeat. Uh, you know, Spalletti said himself they were completely outplayed. Um, that's that's what I think was concerning. I mean, you know, the team. If you look at the team structurally with Spalletti, the team is always very close together. To use the the, the old famous. Uh, Saki line that the team always has to be you know the defence the midfield and attack all needs to be within 10 metres or 12 metres of, of one another they all have to be very condensed you know to stop mm. the spaces um, you know there was gaping holes between the the, the, the the attack the Napoli attack and the Napoli midfield and the Napoli defence and there was so many so many times that um, you know there were balls being played and there was just you know such massive gaps between the department between the lines and and you know, I've never, I've not seen that before, and that was that was alarming. And they, and like I said, they were stretched out so much. Yeah. I mean, seeing Rafael Liao and Teo Hernandez, and, and you know, going on these long runs, and there's not a Napoli player within ten meters of them. I mean, that was that's what that's what uh, concerned me. The structural uh, issues, the Napoli press um, usually smothers the opposition, but Milan were really were, were breaking through the press all over the pitch uh, really, really easily. And, you know, I've used the example of Brahim Diaz getting away for Lobotka for the first goal. Uh, and then like that run, of course, that Liao went on. I mean, they were. it was just very easy. So maybe physically, Napoli weren't at their sharpest. And if you're not quite yeah. at your sharpest, that, that, can, play, that can, play, can play a role. And I think Spalletti said that Kim, Kim Min-Jay, Zielinski, they came back. I mean, Kim actually said on international duty that he was exhausted and it actually it angered a, a lot of people in South Korea because he, he basically said, I just want to concentrate on Napoli because I'm tired. So I don't know whether that, you know, that played a role because a lot of individual performances were bad. I mean, Kim was, was terrible. I actually thought Rachmani was even worse. He, yeah, Rachmani was, was shocking. Worse. Rachmani, Rachmani was, was to blame for two, for two of the yeah, goals. He was agreed. to blame at least. Agreed. He got done for agreed. two of the goals. Um, so, you know, those two, Lobotka, that's the worst performance I've seen him under Spalletti. In a, in an Napoli shirt, he was completely outplayed, bullied by Tonali. Um, I actually just the one thing I disagree with you is I thought Karaj Scalia played all right. I thought he was the only Napoli player that 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 you know actually faced up um, to, to 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 Milan. But he just obviously, you know, Simeone. There was you know he didn't do anything, uh, and Politano struggled as well. And I thought Raspadori had a few couple of bright moments yeah. off the bench. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, there was shockers all over. Merritt had a shocker. As well, the third goal, awful on the third goal. People won't talk about that because they lost four 0 Awful with the third goal. Um, mm. So, so yeah, no, it I, mean, was, it was I think a- it was one of those nights where they were Matt Napoli were just as I said, it was all of the above. They had a they had a really dreadful night. They had a crappy night, and they were you know I think it's all of the above. It's not just one thing. I wouldn't be worried for the Serie A because I think I look at the games that are coming up. I think this is a wake up call for Napoli going into the Champions League, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Let, well, let's move on then to the Champions League. Um, so the, the big question is, but one, psychologically, how much will this 4-0 result affect both teams going into the, next, into the tie next week? First leg is first leg is in Milan, isn't it? It's at San Siro, the first leg. Uh, and the second yeah, leg is so. 
Am I got that correct? And the second leg is at Naples. Uh, so how much will this affect that, that, that tie psychologically? And uh, the question I want to ask you is, do Milan have Napoli's number ahead of this Champions League tie? Do they, is it just a style issue? Because, I mean, they've beaten them and they've not just beaten them, they've absolutely battered them. But well, yeah, they, actually, back, they, if, they if did you rewatch, them. If you rewatch the game earlier on in the season, Mil- Milan were a much better team in that game. People forget that. You know, but Napoli got the win. They were just very lucky to win that game, Napoli. Um, you know, Milan outplayed Napoli for a lot of that match um, at San Siro early in the season. So, you know, is it the case of like like a boxing match where, you know, they say in boxing styles make fights and certain mm. boxers are suited to certain other boxers? Uh, is I'll take it your case- word for it because I know absolutely nothing about boxing. <laughs> I'm not interested. So you, yeah. you can literally be telling me a bunch of lies and I'd just be nodding because I know nothing mm. about it. <laughs> okay. Well, is it a case? Is it a you case can tell me, Milan's- you know, in boxing, they say marshmallows are the, you know I mean, like, you just can make shit up. I wouldn't be, able, I wouldn't okay. know how, I wouldn't know Okay. How to- well, well, in boxing, you get certain fighters that are just, just their style suits another fight, just suits another fight. Yeah, I know what you and, mean. Yeah, and, yeah I, get, I get So is it a case here with Milan that does their style just suit Napoli's style? I think that there could be an element of that as well. But the fact that, like, I, I keep coming back to wake up call. Napoli will, they will, Spalletti will, won't exactly have much difficulty getting these guys back to earth, getting them to realize that they're not the best team in Europe, that actually they've got quite a bit of work to do, and that they've got a Champions League tie next week, that they're going to go away to, Mil- to, to Milan to play a Milan who absolutely smashed them. So, that is that that in and of itself will be a, a wake up call and a concentration. So, I think from that aspect, it's it's good for Napoli because they will come out at that game concentrated, having a point to prove. For Milan, it's it's absolutely because an advantage in the sense that well, we have their number. Look what we did to them just l- last week, not months ago, just last week. So, mm. I think it will have an impact. But who will benefit more from it? I think that's impossible it's got to be Milan it has to be Milan surely I mean yeah I mean again I I go back to I go back to the the result psychologically I'm inclined to agree with you yes it has to be it has to be massive it has to be yeah that's it it's the battering if it was a 1-0 I think it would have been more minimal you know if it had been like Inter beating beating them or or Lazio beating them I think it's not the biggest deal I still think it's, 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 it's it's important psychologically but it's not like four nil, though. I mean, these kind of heavy defeats. I mean, I, I mean, Saki said it post match as well. You know, these kind of heavy defeats they can weigh on heavily on you. And I'm, I'm looking at. I mean, yesterday I was covering the Manchester United game against Newcastle. Newcastle beat them two nil. They absolutely battered them. They totally played north apart. United looked. They looked like a shell of the United. You know that we saw just a month ago. Since since they got hammered, United were flying. They would won the 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 cup. The, the League Cup. Then they got hammered 7-0 by Liverpool at Anfield. Since then, they've been absolutely horrible. They've not scored in three games in a row in the Premier League. They're now fighting for top four. There's the very real risk now. They might not even get in the top four. You know, everything is is like, you know, it's, 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 it's concern now at, at Man United. Um, and, you know, that 7-0 has had such a, you know, has had such an effect psychologically on them. And this is a team that has been, let's be honest, since, since you know, you, you count out those first two games, they've done so well under Ten Hag. You know, is Ten Hag the best manager since 
Ferguson, you know, they're in, in running for all the cups, you know, they're going to get in the top four, they're really building something next year, they're going to possibly win the league, you know, and now all of a sudden they look broken. And, you know, so I'm not saying that's going to happen with Napoli because, you know, Napoli have always bounced back this season. Um, you know, they bounce back after Inter, they bounce back after, after Lazio, uh, and they've always gone on long runs after every single... Uh, but this is the biggest test yet because they haven't been battered and just destroyed off the park as they have, uh, you know, earlier on in the season. So, you know, that is, uh, yeah, it's a test for them. It's definitely a big test for them. Uh, and the other thing I would say, Nimra, is they need to keep their heads because I, this is the first time, you know, even with those other losses, the first time I've seen Napoli look rattled, you know, not just on the pitch, but, you know, off the pitch as well. I mean, that Rafael Leal celebration, you know, the clown celebration that he did, I mean, it's wound them up. Why are they getting wound up by that? You know, like Maldini said, they're going to win the league. Why? Why are they letting that get to them? You know, why? Is Sp- I mean, Spalletti. I have to criticise him. What? What's he? Why is he getting involved? Why is he causing a? You know, causing a. Uh, you know, causing a problem out of all this. Um, you know, that's the old Napoli mentality, or like the old Roma mentality. You know, the mentality of the of the teams that are not befit. It's not befitting of a Juventus or a Milan or Inter. That's kind of always held back the teams like Napoli and Roma from winning more trophies in the past. They don't have that. I hate to say it because I hate corporations, but you know that corporate kind of <laughs> side to them. Do, do you know what I mean? Why why are they getting rattled? So, you know, there's that. And also, Nimmo, we have to raise this. The Napoli fans shot themselves in the foot. What the hell are they doing at such a pivotal moment of the season? Why are they why are they doing a protest, a silent protest? And they're fighting with each other as well. I mean, I think they the fans have shot shot themselves in the foot as well. Well, I mean, they were upset at the ticket prices. Um, that's why they were doing that, and and I think that they were, they were, you know, it was the ticket prices. They were they were pissed off with that, and that's something that's always gone on between De Laurentiis and and the fans. They 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 don't. I mean, if you remember, we had Vincenzo. You know, everyone you know subscribes to the pod as a patron. Last summer, we had Vincenzo Credendino from local Naples TV and Calcio Napoli, and and the site on TV, and you know he was. They were ready to 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 revolt. Uh, last summer, then before they signed all those players, they had a good mercato, and then they went on on this on this thing. And so there's always been a little bit of bad blood be- between the fans and the Larentis. And I think I, I don't know if they shot themselves in the foot. I think it was just it's not exactly well, good. Adrian Del Mo- Adriano Del Monte, our good friend, was at the games covering this yeah. match, and he said I've spoken to him, and he said that Milan fans only the Milan fans could be heard. During yeah. the game, so it was basically, basically a home game for Milan. Yeah. Now, yeah. I just think, listen, I'm all for protesting. You know me; I'm, I'm yeah. the most anti-establishment, <laughs> anti-anti-establishment, anti-authority person you'll find in the whole world. You know, I'm all for protesting and fighting the system. Right? <laughs> I'm all I, so so so. You know, I'm totally for protesting, protesting. But there's ways and about protesting, and be bloody smart yeah. about it. You've got yeah, Milan no, in the yeah. Champions League in ten days, yeah. right? You're playing Milan. Think of the psycho. Think psychologically. Do not give your, your your opponent any kind of psychological advantage at all. Don't even give them a sniff. Go in for the kill. Do not be silent against Milan and give Milan the the initiative. Now Milan might have won this game anyway, even with the club. But it would have been a hell of a lot harder with that with yeah. that with the whole eighty thousand Maradona, you know, uh, you know, uh, intimidating them. I can I can be sure for I can be certain of that. So I think they they've made a huge huge own goal here. 
Uh, then, then you have the fans fighting, <laughs> fighting with each other yeah, as well. That. But we I don't mean, even know. Why, what, we I don't mean, know what that is about. So we apparently it was over how to protest. It was about, it was about how to. Is protest. that is that if that's true? That is the most Neapolitan thing I have ever heard in my life. Let's yeah. have a fight amongst ourselves about how to protest. I love it. I love Naples. I really love Naples. I love the south of Italy. It is my kind of people. Like this, this yeah. is the chaos. I just love it. I absolutely love it. I love that. No, it's 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 funny, but I mean, I just think it's stupidity from the Napoli fans. Why didn't they just wait? I mean, you know, or if they wanted to protest, protest for you know, I don't know, protest for five minutes if you really wanted to do it during the game, or protest protest before the game, or or protest at the training ground, or I don't know, you know, wait till the Scudetto's won, or wait, or do it in a game not against Milan, against your your opponents that are coming up. I know, think that's just... what they. That's why they did it to show that they've got power and the influence they've got, and I think now. If De Laurentiis has a bit of diplomacy in him, he doesn't go like a bulldozer and declare war on them. But instead, yeah. but, but if Milan go out in the Champions League now, I, you know, Napoli fans have to have to accept some responsibility. It might only be minimal responsibility, but they have to expect accept, yeah. accept some responsibility know, because, because Napoli have got smashed here. They've given Milan all the confidence in the world going into that game, and you know, the Napoli fans helped Milan win the game. Um, nah, so you know, I wouldn't uh, go that far. I really wouldn't go that far. Like, to me, that is a little bit too much. Like, I wouldn't say me, they helped Milan, but they didn't help Napoli. But well, uh, Same thing, really, isn't it? No. I mean, no You'll play at home. You want your fans to help you. That's your advantage of the, of the home fans playing at home. I just I, I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's just... No, I thought it was... I thought, I thought the timing of it was a bit silly. Um, yeah. But I, I think it was one of those nights when everything... Look, what is it we all, I always say on this pod? That with Naples... When things go well, they do. They fly off into space, and when things go to hell, they go straight down to Satan's balls. Like it's just <laughs> there's no there's no in between with Napoli. And that and that yeah. night, everything went right to Satan's testicles. Like they were. That, yeah. That's that, that's how bad it went. And and that's Naples in a nutshell. And you have to be able to handle that. And Spalletti's mm. so far been able to really really channel that and handle that madness and that energy really well. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt before saying too much. I want to wait and see how yeah. they how they play. One thing, the one thing, the only, final thing I would say though is I do think that Napoli absolutely need Osimhen back for the. For oh the yes. Time. Oh mean, yes. I mean, oh, yes. I mean, he he seems to think he will be back, but I mean, you know, we'll see. We don't really know. Um, he obviously faces a little bit of a, of a battle to be back for it, but they absolutely need him back. No, because, no he's he's pivotal. I he's mean, the best striker. He, he's the best striker in, yeah. in the league and one of the best in the world this season based on yeah. his performance and form mm. anyone who misses one of the best strikers in the world would be would be weakened i also I think they might need the first they might need the first goal in that tie as well because if milan get the first goal psychologically mm, again that could be could and be napoli opening themselves again and getting stretched no you're right yeah no absolutely right let's move on to uh, another team that have psychological problems <laughs> and that they're, is uh, inter they're crazy they are yeah, inter Inter lose one yeah. 0 to Fiorentina. Inter lose their tenth game in Serie A yeah. game of the season, which is insane. When there's still ten games left uh, to, to go, uh, they now drop out of the top four. Uh, and the, the question, the big question is, does Inzaghi not only risk not being there next season, but does he risk the sack before the end of the season, before the end of this month? Is he in trouble, Nima? Oh, he's very much in trouble. Um... He, he, there's, this has reached the point now, the wheels have come off. They're not coming off. The wheels have come off now. And 
Inter, Inter, Simone Inzaghi is a dead man walking. I, I think it's a question of when, not if. And uh, they've said three three games, meaning Juve in the first first Coppa Italia game, Salernitana, and then and Benfica. If he doesn't get a result in all three, he's out. There's no doubt. And they're going to give it to Kivo, apparently, which is essentially just saying, we're clowns, we're throwing away everything. Um, which, to be fair, is how Inter has been run, like a clown show for the last three years. So it's completely consistent. They're consistent from that angle. But they have to do something. Um, they have to do something. And I think at this point, what do you do? Uh, because you look at the game against Fiorentina, Inter have an XG of 3.14 and without a penalty. I mean, just just to explain to people how high that is, because you get a certain amount of points per chance you create. 3.14 XG is insanely high. Like without the a fact that you what? Without a penalty, that is insane. Without a penalty. That is mental. That is so crazy that you manage to not score once when you have a 3.14 XG. That is just boom. That's that means that yeah. you you literally have you can't score. You just you you just cannot score sitters and Inter missed sitters. And I, I know Bergomi was talking about yesterday how on, on Sky Club Calcio that Lukaku looked really good in terms of how he played in the game. I don't care. I'm with Caressa and Di Canio here when they said, Beppe, come on. That is a that is those those misses are shocking. It's unacceptable. There's no saving grace here. Um, mm. You can't miss those chances. And it's not just him. Nicolo Barella was unlucky to hit the post. Uh, Denzel Dumfries. Look, it's gotten to the point now. Honestly, I was talking to a friend on on Twitter on Spaces about this. I don't even get angry anymore when he gets the ball and he screws it up. I laugh because I'm expecting it every time he gets the ball alone. I know he's gonna he's gonna hoof it at the. He's gonna do something stupid and comical. He's gonna fall over it. He's gonna step on the ball. He's got not. He's gonna shoot it at you know hit someone in the head with it. He's gonna hit the his own foot with it with the ball when he's like it, it, it's it's a joke now. This guy can't start ever again for Inter. It's as simple as that. Yeah. They just they. I I wonder if they even get if if they if somebody just doesn't loan him with an option to buy. That's how bad he's been. Um, we knew he was technically limited, but this is getting. He's turning into one of the worst players I've ever seen play for Inter. Like that's how bad it's getting now. I mean, um, that open goal miss. The open goal miss in the second half was was uh, well, from Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. But listen, this is you know when you said last week is Lukaku back, and I said no, he's not back because he's never going to be that player again. He's never going to be a world class striker. He's he's going to. I actually be... agree with Bergami in that I actually thought his overall game. I agree with that as well. Was was, was, was the best we've seen. It is, but, it, but it's eclipsed. But it doesn't matter. It's eclipsed when you miss sitters like that. It it doesn't matter. All of that flies out the window because yeah. it's unacceptable. You cannot miss that chance. Mm. Well, no, there was two in particular. There was the one where yeah. where he was squared across to him and he, and he kind of inside onto his right foot and made a mess of it. And then there was the two one on ones. I mean, Castrovilli's quick, so you know, I don't, I, I don't. I can kind of forgive him there, um, but you know, it's it's Lukaku. Uh, it was reminded me of the Belgium game in the World Cup. Remember the game exactly. against Croatia where that's, he missed that's the four, what Dicanio said. Dicanio said it yeah. looked exactly like the World Cup, and I agree. Mm. I agree. Look, this is a problem. If you look, I mean, I saw someone on Twitter taking the piss out of call it the Inter Milan striker starter pack. It was essentially just a thread 
of Lautaro, Jeko, <laughs> and Lukaku missing sitters. This is where we are. Now, you, I blame Simone Inzaghi for a lot of things. For example, Belanova, which, 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 we, which I think we should talk about, because I think from now on, not starting Belanova is a disaster by Simone Inzaghi, and that's on him. Raul Belanova showed that with the characteristics he's got, with the player he is, the mentality that he's he's gone past that Empoli thing. He's a strong. He's stronger now mentally. He should start. He's the only player with pace and that can dribble with pace. So he needs to start yeah. in in attack. But overall, like moving past that, Simone Inzaghi, I don't think you. Can, what are you going to blame him for this game? Three point one four xg and and you, you, you they don't score. Like if Inter had barely created anything, I'd say crucify him. But when they create so many chances and they can't score, tap-ins, open goal tap-ins, they're missing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that, that there's a lot of reasons why Inter have lost 10 games this season and why they're, they're I mean, they're struggling to even get in the top four now. They, they, they face a fight now to get into the Champions League. I think uh, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for that. And um, we could be here all day discussing them. But yeah. I do... I do think that the biggest issue of all has been Inter's finishing. I yeah. really believe it is that Without might sound simplistic. That might sound no, really a really sim that might sound a really simplistic thing to say. But you know, when you have an XG regularly this season in the games that Inter have slipped up in where they've had XGs of over three, over two and over three. Continuously. Continuously, then you know that the problem is your attack. It's your attackers not putting the ball in the back of the net. It really and is as simple as that. You can't talk about tactical issues or structural problems, like you said, when you create this many chances, but you cannot. Your your strikers are unable to score. Yeah, that that I no, agree one hundred percent with that. I agree one hundred percent with that. I mean, I'm 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 looking now. I'm looking now. So three point four, three point one four xg against Fiorentina, lose one nil. Uh, against um, Spezia. Where's the Spezia game? 3.47 against yeah, Spezia. that was even worse. Lose, lose, lose 2-1 in, in that game. Uh, let's have a look at your other losses. Um, no, it's... it's. Uh, I mean, if you... If Bologna, they barely created anything. But look, no, I, that, that well, I'm that, looking at, at pretty much in the Lazio game, you had 1.6 to 1. So you had a higher XG, you lost to Lazio. Against Milan, you had a higher XG, you lost 3 2. Uh, against Roma, you, okay, no, that was fair. Juventus, you had the same XG as Juventus, uh, 1.52 each, you lost 2 0. Uh, against Empoli, you had 1.4 uh, to 0.85. And you lost one nil. Okay, these are not high high xgs, but they're higher than the opposition, and you lost. <laughs> you know, in pretty much all of these cases, uh, even against Bologna, which you were dreadful, you had a slightly higher xg, one point one five to one point zero seven. So, you know, you're, you're seeing a consistent trend throughout the season that you know you've had games that you've lost where you've had an incredibly high xg, and you've had getting uh, 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 games that you've lost or drawn in which you've had higher xg than the opposition but you've but you've lost or drawn so that again that comes down to the same issue that that your attack is not doing the job um so i think that is is very simplistic and there are lots of other problems this season um but the bad finishing uh, your attack the attack has let into down yeah they have let, 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 let everyone down they all have let mm. into down um and it's become a thing now where they're starting to doubt themselves and and it's only natural 
But as far as this goes, I mean, I, I honestly feel, I feel we're watching, I, I feel this is going to be, I, 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 when I watch Inter now, the anxiety is almost palpable. You can almost touch it. And Inter don't hand that, handle that well. And you need to have, in this situation, a dictator. You need to have a Hitler like Conte, I mean, <laughs> God. to make it worse. No, but seriously, you need to have a straight up fascist who comes in there with a with 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 and yells at them and basically says, idiot number one, you go there. Idiot number talking two, you Kanye. go there. <laughs> what? So talking of the Kanye. <laughs> no, no, but, <laughs> no, but seriously, you need at this moment, you need a Jose Mourinho, you need a Trapatoni, you need an Antonio Conte. Simone Inzaghi is not the right guy at this point. Hmm. He's not that What's guy. available? Well, pot you well, yeah, of course. But no, I, I honestly think if you know, and, and I think Marotta's realized that that this is uh, every club is different, and th- this is what Inter needs. If you build a, if you build a, you know, Conte was treated them like idiots, and that's when they, you know, basically told every single one of them how to eat, sleep, shit, piss, walk, talk, <laughs> breathe, and and they they were good, but he didn't leave anything to chance, and they need it. They need someone to wipe their butts. This is unfortunately yeah. this is where we are, and Simone Inzaghi isn't that guy. He just isn't. Mm. Um, well, we'll, and... we'll, we'll discuss. We'll discuss um, the, the. We'll come on to the preview in a minute. Into Juventus preview, and you can you can expand on Inzaghi's future there. Um, but just a, just a quick um, note on on Fiorentina. We have to praise them because they've got eight wins in a row now and ten wins in eleven. I mean, they are the form team in Serie A. Um, by quite a distance now. I mean, they're, they're, they've absolutely hit form at the right time. They were fortunate in this game, let's be honest. They, they integrated a lot of chances. Fiorentina did create quite a few good chances themselves as well. You know, they had chances um, uh, um, to score other than the, the goal they scored. Um, but, um, you know, that, 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 that run of results doesn't come, uh, you know, by, by chance. Uh, and, you know, they're just outside the European places in, in Serie A. Um, they're still in... The Coppa Italia, they got the semi-final against Cremonese on first leg on Wednesday, and you'd back them heavily to get to the final there. And they're in the quarterfinals next week against Lech Poznan in the in the Conference League, and you back them strongly to go through to the semi-finals there, where they'll probably play Nice. Um, so they're you know they're in great and great form. And Bonaventura, I thought, was really really great in this game. Uh, obviously scored the winner, but Castrovilli, um, I thought was 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 outstanding as well. I love and him. I love that player. Even defensively, even defensively. Yeah. No, like, I, I love he, that because he made a couple of he made a couple of big challenges. The one on Mandragora, the car, him, Amrabat, like that midfield is absolutely lovely. Uh, they've got yeah. some really really lovely. players. No, the midfield is their definitely their strong point of, of Fiorentina because oh. they're very good at keeping the ball. But I, I do want to did want to single out Castrovilli because um, absolutely b- because you know he had their serious injury and you know I, I'm a big fan of the player. I'm I think a he's, huge he's got great fan qualities uh, and you know to see him do well defensively is also good because I think if there was one weakness in Castrovilli's game and I think this is something that Italiano. Uh, has been trying to work him work on with him, and it's why he wasn't even a first choice of Italiano at the start, but even before his injury, was um, you know he's a bit of a free spirit uh, on the field. He's not very tactically disciplined. He kind of just floats around, does what he wants, and I think that Italiano, as a system coach, has been really trying to drill has been trying to drill that into him. Uh, and so to see him kind of put in the yards and do the defensive work as well, I think that's really, really important. Uh, and I hope that, yeah, I hope because I, I do believe in this player. I think he has the ability to play for a big club. 
think he has the, the natural ability 100%. to play for a big club. But it's, you know, it's how he develops from here, how he recovers from the injury. But it was great to see him in this game play, play uh, to play so well. So uh, that that's um, that's good also for the Italy national team. Um, Couldn't agree more. Just before, Couldn't agree more. Yeah, just before we go on to Juventus into preview, um, just just very quickly on Juventus, they beat Verona one. There's not really much to talk about this game. Uh, Juventus have been doing better recently. I mean, they're in a great run of form. Uh, five wins in a row, eight wins in nine. Um, this was a, t- a terrible game. They also cost me my bet, Juventus. Uh, the <laughs> last time I ever bet, the last time I ever bet on Juventus because I bet plus one point five goals, uh, which was a sh- I don't know what I was thinking. Why? Why would I bet on an Allegri team? T- team to score more than one point five goals? What is wrong goals? with I'm, you? I know. Why I don't know. You- I'm absolutely. <laughs> I know, I'm mad. I'm, I'm absolutely that is, mad. That, is, got, that had, is such a waste of money. A complete waste of I had money. A 12, I had a 12-team accumulator. Um, I've won my last two bets. I've won. I've been on a bit of a roll. won my last two accumulators. And all I needed was Juventus. To, to The Juventus versus Verona, I needed plus 1.5 goals. So either team could have scored. But I needed two goals in the game. Uh, I don't know why I did it. It was absolute madness. Um, and um, yeah, we're not um, we're not condoning yeah. betting here. We're not saying you know if you if you've <laughs> no. got pro. I, I need to do these like disclaimers before we get like no. some 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 algorithm puts us on like some. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, no, no. But, I, do, I just I just do it just for a bit yeah. of fun. I don't bet a yeah. lot of money, but it's just yeah. you know it's it's, it's if just if you have problem then. with gambling, there's help to get. Please check your local listing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the the. the Three things that I want to mention. Number one, Keane uh, scored the winner. He's actually got eight goals this season. So, you know, he's not the best player in the world, but he's proven reasonably useful. Because Allegri, he, Allegri, he does what Allegri wants him to. And yeah. Allegri builds a system where they just, you know, it's it's all coming together for him, isn't he? I, I, I think yeah. they're going to win the Coppa Italia. I said it before the season. I still stand by that. I think you were winning the Coppa Italia. I think they're going to beat mm. Fiorentina in the final. Um and that's going to be their title for the year. Um, and uh, they'll secure European position that way. Um, I think what we're going to see, uh, I mean, this was just another, you know, I understand that Juve fans aren't happy, but you know what? I would swap for this board. I, I would swap for being bored when watching Inter. I'm tired of this as an Interista, having my heart but jumping out of my nostrils uh, from rage and stress and nervousness, I want to be bored, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're like, sick individual. You're, 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 no, I'm not. You, you get off on this kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, like, it's so lovely. The best thing I know is to watch. Is to is a Sunday afternoon when I was when I was growing up. When I used to watch like Catanaccio games, you know, with, with like with with a Juve or or Milan playing, and it wasn't exciting. And they just, you know, they played a Empoli or a Monza, and they won one nil. And I used to snooze in and out. I miss that. I miss yeah. that. You did watch paint dry and get and, and be like, oh, this is amazing. Yes. I just love oh, yes. this. <laughs> uh, okay, well, now the other the other two things, Locatelli, I thought was man of the match, and he's been playing really, really well. And and that, and we have to point that out because you know a lot has been said over his first eighteen months at Juventus how the player had not only completely stagnated but had actually regressed quite a lot, and that was actually quite damning on Allegri and his and his ability or inability to to develop players. Uh, uh, but he has hit form Locatelli. Like the last month, we've actually started to see the Locatelli that, that we remember uh, from the Euros and the Locatelli that um, that 
I still believe in. I've always believed in a Locatelli. I've never written him off. A lot, a lot of Juventus fans have no, written I him off him. and said, oh, he's not I've always believed in him. I've always believed there's a player there. So I hope that he can continue because I thought he was really good and I think he should have been called up for Italy uh, in the in the international. Without a doubt. Form. I don't understand what Martini yeah. was doing. I just he just needs to add some goals to his game now because he I think he hasn't scored for like a year, over a year. But um yeah, it's good it's good to see him playing well. Uh, and also uh, just as a word of praise to Allegri, I mean a reason for this poor performance, and it was a poor performance, it was a terrible game. Allegri rotated his squad. He rested Blauovic, Kostic, Di Maria from the start. They came on, Rabio suspended. And that brings us on nicely, really, to, to mm. the Coppa Italia preview. And I think that Juventus, as a result of Allegri's rotation, go into this Coppa Italia semi-final in better shape. Obviously, they're in better form than Inter, but they got in they're better going shape. To physical shape. They're going to completely dismantle Inter, is what I'm expecting. Because <laughs> Inzaghi's going to continue rot- his, his madness... He's, he looks, look, Simone Inzaghi looks like a deer. He's got this deer in headlights look. Um, he's going to start, he's going to start Samir Handanovic, which is going to piss people should, off. Should he more. though? Should, should, should Inter just throw away the cup and just say, you oh, know what? If it were we, up let's to focus me. On, let's focus on Serie A and let's focus on the Champions League and forget about Without a doubt. Without a, mm. without a shadow of a doubt. The problem is that the Italian mentality isn't this. They look at it as a title. You, you're not allowed to mm. do that. And when I interviewed Bergomi, he was crystal clear. Pagliuca, same thing there. You have to go for the Coppa Italia. Personally, yeah. I'd send in the Pulcini, not even the Primavera. <laughs> I'd send in the Pulcini, the six-year-olds, the <laughs> nine-year-olds. You know, <laughs> let, let them play against Juve and then go home and focus on Salernitana and Benfica. That's what matters to me. Top four. But there's obviously there's two there's two issues here with that. Number one is it's Juventus. It's your bitter rivals that you hate. Don't care. And Pulcini. You- Pulcini, mm. send and in the two, Pulcini. And number two is, if you get an absolute hammering, do you risk, again, kind of like what Napoli has happened to Napoli against... Uh, or what could They're already Napoli, destroyed. Having, having lost 4-0. Like, but, but yeah, this but then is the it, thing, Carlo. It goes on to, a not gonna beat to another level. But the, the thing is, mm. so you start your best players and break them even more in a competition that you've already won that doesn't really matter to you that much and it shouldn't matter to you? Like, the Coppa mm. Italia only matters and the Supercoppa as well. Yes, they're important. They're trophies. But they only really matter as a saving grace when you've had an otherwise disappointing season. And yeah. and I, Inter won two Supercoppa, one Coppa Italia under Simone Inzaghi. No one cares. His job is to get Inter into top four and the semi-final of the Champions League minimum because they got a fantastic shot. And if he doesn't, he will have he will every, no matter what. Even if he were to win the Coppa Italia, he'd be a failure. It's it's yeah. really that simple. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for me. I, I see both sides. Um, obviously, nine games in 30 days this month. Obviously, they played the first one. It's such a lot of games. Something has to give. And you feel like it's going to be one. It has to be the Coppa Italia. Um, you know, of so course. And, but the uh, thing is, the Juventus are in a better place. And then I, I do see the psychological point of view uh, as well. I do see so, that. So it's, it's a different Send one. in the uh, kids. Send in the kids. Yeah. Uh, play and I don't mean I don't mean the like I, I don't I don't want like I mean the chill actual children <laughs> like like if it were possible I'd literally send the children not not even the young youth team players I'd sell actual eight year olds and nine year olds and ten year olds they'd have the time of their lives can you imagine that sending the nine year olds to play against Juve that'd be brilliant they'd have so much fun they'd lose like a hundred nil but it they'd enjoy <laughs> themselves and Inter can focus on what matters because and this brings us nicely to the next point Lazio have top four wrapped up. We have to give a shout out yeah. to Maurizio Sarri. What a fantastic season. What a job he's done this season with them. Yeah, 2 0 win. 
away at Monza, that puts them, consolidates, increases their lead in second. They're now four points clear of third place uh, Lazio and they've got a, a five-point gap over fifth place. Although, of course, uh, well, no, they have to have a fifth point, even if Juventus yeah. get their points back because they're five points ahead of Inter. Inter and Roma are joint fourth. I should have, yeah. I should have, I should have clarified what I said before when I said Inter yeah. are out of the top four. But they're, they're, they're out of the top four if Juventus get their points back. Um, and but they even will if get Juventus, points back. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'd expect that, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, it's looking good for Lazio. There's only 10 games left. They don't have look, any Look Europe. at what they've got left. Look at what they've got left. Yeah. Okay, Juve at home, Inter away, Milan away. But other than that, Spezia away, Torino at home, Sassuolo at home, Lecce at home, Udinese away, Cremonese at home, Empoli away. No, no, no. Sarri and Lazio are finishing top yeah. four. And the last four games of the season as well, when the pressure's are on, Lecce, Udinese, Cremonese, Empoli. I mean, you couldn't, no, no. You couldn't ask for better. Maurizio Sarri. He's going to get them back into the Champions League. He's done an absolutely fantastic job with them. He's shown that he is not. He he's serious about having coaching in Pedro, though. Again. Pedro, what a legend! What a legend yeah. Pedro is, and, and Milinkovic yeah. Savic, fantastic free kick yeah. Uh, yeah. from from SMS. Uh, we have to praise the defence as well. Um, they've gone six Serie A games now in a row without without conceding. Um, it's been two months since Atalanta won at the Olimpico that they that they conceded um, in in Serie A. Uh, and they've actually, this is a great stat that I saw, the, the least number of goals conceded in the first half of matches in the top five leagues this season. They've conceded four goals. That's insane. Insane. Four goals in the I first mean, half of matches. What and that can you insane. say? Anyone who complains about having a, a squad that's not deep enough, etc., just look at what Sadi's done. I disagree with how he sacrificed the conference league because I think a tight trophy matters. but Well, that brings me on to this question I want to ask you, Nima, then. Is it good for Serie A, Lazio, getting in the Champions League? Will because For two reasons. Mm. One by one, will they, treat, will they treat the Champions League seriously? Oh, and yes. two, two, Sarri said it himself, that they're not equipped. And also, mentality-wise, he says subconsciously at the very least, but he pretty much admitted consciously as well. They basically just get, they literally gave up on it. They didn't, they didn't even try in, in, in Europe this season, both in the Europa League and the Conference League. Um, so is it actually good for Lazio if they get in the Champions League? Or is it better that one of the other teams gets in who... No, I think that will be so unfair. No, I, I think that's I know unfair. Lazio fans are going to be listening to this. And yeah, no, I think that's now. unfair. But, I think but, that's unfair. But, I think but that's this is unfair. a question... Yeah, no, I think but if they don't unfair. treat, are they going to treat? But if they don't treat it seriously, of course they're going to treat the champ- they're, they're, they're obviously going to treat the Champions League better than the Europa League and Conference League. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Sarri has won the Europa League already. He knows that the Champions League is 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 as Spalletti said when he was at Inter. That's that's the promised land. Um, if they get there, they're guaranteed revenue and they can actually strengthen because last summer they actually really strengthened. And you know, Lazio are on a on a rising trajectory, so. Then he could strengthen his squad some more. There's no doubt in my mind that he's 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 going for. I don't think Lazio finish in the top four next season because I don't think they're they have the ability to compete both on both fronts. I do think he will focus entirely on getting through to the round of sixteen, which guarantees more revenue. The problem is, can they keep um, top four in in the Serie A and build? That, that's that's what's been Lazio's problem uh, under well. The five and a half years they had under Simone Inzaghi, where they played in the Champions League, got the round of sixteen and won t- trophies, and were constantly there, fourth, fifth, fourth, stuff like that. You know, it's um, 
mm. that, that's the problem for Lazio. But I, I think Lazio that, looking good. Yeah, that's you're looking good. Let's, we have to move on because we're we're, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going we're going way over as usual. Um, just just a short segment on Roma. They won as well. They beat Sampdoria three yeah. nil. Um, there's there's not really much to say about that game in general. But Roma I do are back talk- in the Champions League race, though it's crazy. Yeah, I mean- yeah, they are, and, and yeah, and, it, and it's very tight. But I, I, listen, I want to talk about this Mourinho versus Abraham um, situation. Um, two parts. Of this Mourinho said before the game that. I'll read out his quotes. Both Abraham and Belotti worked well in training, to tell the truth. Il Gallo has a special mentality as he played a couple of days after surgery in his hand. Tammy doesn't have the same strong mentality as Gallo, but he is technically gifted. Um, I just think that, you know, this kind of sums up Tammy Abraham's decline and the decline in the kind of Mourinho and Abraham relationship as, you know, those two were, were so close, like brothers last season. And, there just doesn't seem to be that same special relationship. I'm not saying the relationship broken, that they don't get on with each other or anything, but they, there isn't that same special bond between them. And that includes between Abraham and and I think just 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 Roma in general, like the magic has gone. Uh, and Abraham's stats this season, just not good enough. Seven goals, five assists in 39 games, only six goals in Serie A, only one goal in Europe from nine games. Um, that's just not good enough. It's not good enough. He's now gone 11 matches without a goal. Only one assist in that time. What, I mean, this is, Abraham's, number one, Abraham's going to probably leave, isn't he, at the end of the season? And two, what do you think's happened to him this season? I think that, I do think he's going to leave at the end of the season, but I don't think anything has happened as such. I think this is typical Mourinho trying to, to wake up his players, isn't it? Like, this is how he does. I mean, unless it's uh, poor Karsdorp, who is, I think he's bullying him, to be honest, what he's doing <laughs> to him. But uh, with, with, I think he's just saying that to kind of get a rise. This is how Mourinho does. He does this, to, you know, give small jibes at them to, to, to get them to, you know, snap out of it and, and, and get concentrated. But yeah, no, I, I do think that it's probably likely that Tammy Abraham returns to the Premier League. Um, after staying two years at Roma and for you know, two years that I think he will, that have definitely improved him. Um, but I, I mean, to be honest, I think he's a decent player, but I never thought he was going to be a superstar or a super talent that was, you know, going to win the World Cup for England as a starter or, or win the Champions League as a starter or, you know, he's, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I've never seen I have him. To say, I have to agree. I have to say that when Roma bought Abraham, this was more the Abraham I was expecting, the Abraham we've seen this season. I thought he'd score more goals than he saw this season. I mean, yeah. He's way under, I mean, he's been really bad this season. He's way underperformed for a, for a team of the size of Roma fighting for top four. Yeah. Seven goals in 39 games. That's not uh, good. They're not all starts. That's just, it's just not way off it. That's just not good enough. Uh, I, I, I thought it would be a little bit better than that, but this is closer to the level that, that I thought because I wasn't the biggest fan of him at Chelsea. Uh, I always saw him as more of a box player. Um, but, you know, he had an excellent season last season uh, and he won me over a lot. You know, well, he, he I, th- I think I look at it. I look at it like this. If you take last season and this season, add them together and divide by two, that's where I think Tammy Abraham's level is. Yeah, and, agreed. And, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's where I see him. I don't think he's a bad player, but I don't think he's a world-class player nor will he ever yeah. be. That's the only thing. And that doesn't mean I think he's bad. Like, Because I, I know when, when people say stuff like this, oh, you're saying he's shit. No, I'm not. I'm saying <laughs> life is not so, you know, black or white. There are nuances. Mm. You know, you don't, yeah. we, don't, we don't only have bidone and fuori classe. Like, <laughs> that's just not how it works. No, I agree. Right, rest of the weekend match calendar, Cremonese 1, Atalanta 3. Um, so Atalanta are back in the top yes, four race they now. Are. And, and, it's, and it's very, very tight. So... Um, 
Napoli obviously running away with it. Then you've got Juventus, if they get their points back, will be second with yep. 59 points. Then you've got Lazio currently second, but will be third with 55. Then you've got Milan on 51. Um, so that will be the top four if Juventus get their points back. Then you've got Inter on 50, Roma on 50, Atalanta on 48. So, I mean, it's so, so tight. Oh, it's so and even tight. if Juventus don't get their points back, they're not that far away. Um, no, they're not. You know, as well. So, I mean, it's going to be very, very exciting into the season for the top four. Uh, sure. Bologna three, Udinese nil. So the Tiago Motta train goes on. Uh, well, Lisa it's the, the hipster derby. He wins it emphatically. Um, yeah. He uh, he wins it um he uh yeah no he, he wins it yeah. c- clearly and they were really really good musa barrow continues to shine look you know me on this pod how you know rest his soul sinisa mihailovic but when he was alive and in charge of bologna i was very critical of how i didn't think he was getting the most out of that squad and i really rate bologna i think what tiago motta is doing is getting he's getting the most out. i think he's getting overperforming a little bit as well but i i like bologna's squad i think they've built something interesting there for quite some time um, but I mean, he's getting what I expect from them: ninth, tenth, eighth, something like that. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, I think he's definitely one to watch. Uh, and Spezia one, Salernitana one. And tonight's games, we're recording this on Tuesday. Empoli, Lecce, Monday. Sassuolo. You mean? We're recording this on a Monday. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on Monday. Yeah, I don't know what day it is. Uh, Empoli, exactly. Lecce, uh, and Sassuolo, Torino. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that's the rest of the the Serie calendar. Uh, and of course, there's the Coppa Italia uh, semi-finals, first legs. Um, Juventus against Inter. Who's at home, Nima? A uh, Juventus, oh, Juventus and Inter. Juventus Juve at home. home. Okay, and, yeah. and then Cremonese against uh, Fiorentina on Wednesday. Let's uh, finish off with Badjo and Prem face of the week. Okay, Badjo. Uh, any anyone from Milan? The whole yeah. of Milan, but Milan. certainly Raffaellio. And also Mourinho asking his fans to stop with the abusive, racist chants against Dejan Stankovic. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, he did. The and and I thought that was classy. Yeah. yeah, that was classy yeah. uh, by Mourinho, the way that he did and the way that he handled that diplomatically. He can when he wants to be. Uh, I thought that mm. was a nice touch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, and face. Do you have a prem face? Well, it's 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 a good. I mean, Tim Sherwood is becoming a mainstay now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should just be Tim Sherwood of the week, or just no, it's, Tim it's, Sherwood. He's, he's, it's as if he's like he's not going to be out crazied by Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and Joe Cole and all these other guys. And he's like, hang on a minute, give me my crown back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's a simple it's a it's a simple act of pen phrasery. We've seen it many times before that every single time England goes to a to a World Cup or Euros that, you know, they are the best team uh, in the in the <laughs> tournament. They are the favourites. Um, you know, everybody else is rubbish, basically. And um, I mean, we're still a My year My favourite is Rafael Varane is unproven because he hasn't played in the show in the Premier League. Like, yeah. what? Was that Sherwood as well? No, no, no. That, that well? was, um, oh, what's his name? No, that wasn't Sherwood. I can't remember. I think it was Agbon Lahore. I can't, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he said that he's, he, his Sherwood said that every manager at Euro 2024 will want the England squad rather than theirs. Uh, France are not great. Uh, England is the what? best squad going to. What? France are not great. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, you nitwit? Like, yeah. Everyone would kill to have France's squad. I Literally, know, everyone would. Maybe they're baffling everyone with science, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
they're baffling everyone. Tim Sherwood is baffled, and so everyone is baffled. Oh dear, Dim Sherwood, Dim Sherwood, Dim Sherwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dim Sherwood. So, so yeah, England are the best team in the world, everyone. Yeah. But they are a good team. This is what We've annoys me. Actually, We've never heard that before. No, but seriously, this is different, though. I actually think England are in a good position to win the Euros, and and I've said that for quite some time. You know that I have, and and I think and I think with Jude Bellingham, they've got a player that they've not had in in well since I can remember, um, since I was a kid, pretty much. And and I think I think I think England are our favourites, one of the favourites to win it, together with France. I mean, if we're talking now, um, but this notion that if they don't win it, they should be ashamed of themselves is ludicrous. It's ludicrous, and 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 I think and I think that's what annoys. That's why people laugh at it and, and mock them. And, and don't want England to win, even though I actually like Gareth Southgate a lot, and I like this group of players. I think they're really, you know, it's 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 a it's an it's a really likable group of players, all of them, you know, generally speaking. And and I want, you know, I have nothing against them. I've got nothing, and I got lots of friends who are English. I would, nothing would make me happier to see them <laughs> win a tournament once in their lives and be and 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 you know enjoy and make memories for life. I mean, for crying out loud, I wouldn't deny that to my friends, or you know. So, but it's just this nonsense well that. Says. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. You've summed it up in a nutshell. That's that. Yeah. That's all. Of, that's how we all feel. I think yeah. when it comes to the England national team. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's um, let's leave it at that. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for a Q and A episode. Then we'll be back on Thursday for um, midweek review. But let's say Juventus Inter Coppa Italia. Yeah, um, and also review. yeah, the Coppa Italia more, more and like, preview the weekend yeah. and all that. Yeah, preview the Easter weekend. Yeah, okay. And also, right, yeah, let's... before we let you go, remember for to uh, the Q and A pod is out tomorrow for all, for patrons only, and the Thursday pod is for patrons only. Go to patreon.com slash tifp two ninety nine xvat a month. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, we'll see you on Tuesday, patrons. Until then, ciao ciao.